0: Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things.
1: We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC
0: superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the forgotten entertainment family hello and welcome to recent activity your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film every show all at once i am your co-host andrew morgan with me, as always, is the man who owns the head rights to this podcast, Mr. <laughs> Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? Oh, what's up, What's up, buddy? <laughs> you better watch your back, dude. I uh, Now I will. I keep my head on a swivel. This high-stakes podcast, man, I will take you down. <laughs> all our fans out there. But good to see you, buddy. Uh, obviously, we are going to uh, focus on the one movie we crossed over this week. Usually, we have a lot more. We've been kind of doing these like longer... Uh, you know, potpourri episodes, but this one's going to be a little more focused. We're going to do Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the latest film from Martin Scorsese. He co-wrote this one alongside Eric Roth. Uh, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, Brendan Fraser, John Lithgow. Huge cast. A lot of known names in there. Uh, a lot of movie because it's uh, over three and a half hours long. Uh, and we it's a lot it. to take in. Absolutely. Um, if anyone doesn't know about this film and you're a, a cinephile, I don't know who you are, uh, but I, I'll tell you the plot anyway. Uh, this movie is about when oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage Nation land. The Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. A lot of the same people are back, like I said, not just the cast for Scorsese, but also bringing back his. Usual cinematographer Rodrigo Prieto, who's worked on a lot of things. His tip, his uh, longtime editor, Thelma Schoonmaker. Robbie Robertson. I don't know if you have any uh, allegiance to the band, Shane. Nope, no, not whatsoever. Nope. Um, I actually just recently watched The Last Waltz again because that movie is excellent. I think we talked about that a little bit because I just watched Stop Making Sense, so I've kind of gotten into the uh, the concert film stuff. But he uh, recently passed away. Uh, like I said, he was the uh, vocalist and guitarist for the band, longtime collaborator, I guess, with uh, Scorsese. Uh, he was a composer on The Irishman, The Color of Money, and has uh, done some songs over the years to add to some of the soundtrack stuff for Scorsese films. So it's been a long time relationship with that. This is a film that, you know, because of the length, it's very hard to see what it was going to do for money. Um, This made $44 million uh, thus far. It did kind of a limited release and then wide over this past weekend. And, of course, everybody kind of knows that it's going to go to Apple TV eventually. Uh, I don't know if they – I don't think they have a hard date on that yet. But, obviously, you know, it's going to probably be more of a limited theatrical run. My guess is probably a month or two. And then it will probably head to Apple TV Plus probably around – Christmas time is my imagination, but that's there's no hard data on that one yet. Um, the scores are very good. Obviously, this movie has been kind of touted as you know a major best picture contender, and the scores are backing it up thus far 92 Rotten Tomato score with an 85% Rotten Tomato audience score, 90 Meta score, which is huge, that's a big number for that, 8.2 IMDb and 4.3 Letterboxd narrowly narrowly getting past bottoms you know which is uh. my my we, we're just not on the right side of history i think this year Shane. we're not so we're gonna see where this one goes so before we get into this movie i just kind of want to know shane like what's your relationship with scorsese like obviously he has a very very long career and you know it spans decades and even before our lifetime and, you know, so we've kind of either had to go back in history and watch some of his stuff, but obviously we were raised amongst the, the, some of his more celebrated works like your good fellas, you know, in 1990, that era. So where do you stand on Martin Scorsese these days?
1: I love, uh, Scorsese. Um, and I, I, we're talking earlier but like i parallel his latest trajectory kind of like where spielberg is in his career Mm -hmm. like once a decade he may come out with something good for me but i'm definitely a fan of his earlier stuff uh you brought up color money which i think is his most underrated movie ever done i love that movie sure it's one of my favorite scorsese films uh but he directed like my favorite which is like the raging bull which is in my top five all-time movies raging bull sits there in my top five cemented forever Oh wow. But like oh, okay. I was looking I was looking through his filmography and what are we in 2023? For me, the last like really good movie he did was The Wolf of Wall Street. Before that, I really enjoyed Shutter Island, which was 2010, <laughs> Leo films. So, um and yeah. then uh 2006, another Leo collaboration with The Departed. And that was the first movie where I actually was like, "Hey, this DiCaprio kid, I kind of like him." <laughs> Up until then, I couldn't stand DiCaprio, but he showed me something in The Departed. But yeah, so we're talking 2006, 2010, 13, and then sitting here 2023, because I am not a fan of The Irishman. I right. thought that was a bloaty four-hour mess of a movie, but here we are. We're getting ready to talk about another bloaty mess of a movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think, um, you know, even though I can always take something away from his movies, no matter how much they might be either messy or... Um, You know you're you're rooting for these kind of anti-hero types, or you're rooting for these just awful people um, in various forms, and this movie is no different. You know because it's got a weird focus, and we'll get into it of like who is the protagonist and where our gaze is supposed to be at most of the time of watching this movie. So that's something I kind of want to discuss a little bit. But yeah, I I'm in the same way. Like I really was into Scorsese up until Casino. And then like after that, I feel like what you're saying about like every so often he'll pull out one where you're like, yeah, man, you did it. You nailed it, buddy. Yeah. But like outside of that, there are some ones where I think, you know, his, his run times have gotten a lot longer. His, uh, his, his aim. I've heard, uh, some people describe, um, his his interests as changing the more he got older and got more religious so his change in subject matter maybe have changed over the years because of that um i also find it funny i uh, i was listening to uh the big picture podcast on the ringer uh network there and i i love the line that they said where uh they said if you take all his like earlier stuff he's he was very interested in organized crime and now this movie is like disorganized crime because it's like (laughs) you got these not bumbling idiots it's not like that cartoonish but it's kind of like just old power where like you know they weren't worried about anything as they're committing horrible horrible crimes and you know just you know, borderline, not, you know, genocide usually has like a lot of numbers, but you know, this is a sizable thing, like outside of like serial killers, you know, this is like how organized crime works these days. So it's kind of like the proto version of that. You have the early stages of what, you know, becomes the FBI involved in this. So it has a lot of earmarks of a story that Scorsese would be interested in over his career, but I just don't, fully know what he was trying to grasp onto here in terms of, cause apparently there was a script before this, before the one that got made where they changed the, the outlook, the gaze where, where I guess the original one was going to be more of like a crime thriller where it was going to be a little more of a, of a, a procedural type, you know, regular crime movie, like trying to find out who's doing these things and kind of go through that motion and I wonder if I would have maybe liked something like that, and especially if it was you know more direct, so that way the film was shorter. I don't have a problem with the runtime. I'm just gonna put that out there. But, but obviously, any movie that you're not fully into, runtime is gonna feel like a drag. So you know, to me, like like again, we've had this conversation multiple times, Shane, where it's like John Wick Four. We didn't say boo about the the length of that movie because. You're into it and you're rocking with it and you love it, you know. So it's like it's going, it's going, it's going. So to me, I, I didn't I didn't care about the runtime with this one. So I probably like this movie a little bit more than you, but I will say that I have uh my issues. So I'm curious, let's let's uh if we're gonna go we might as well go uphill, right? So uh right. you know How did you feel about this particular one? And especially how does it compare to maybe some of the stuff you do like from Scorsese? Uh, Okay. So I'm going to do the good
1: first and get that out of the way. Okay. All right. I thought the acting was top notch. I thought the Caprio was just like he always is, but I thought he's a little more dialed in in this movie, though. The fake teeth kind of took me out of it a lot of the time, especially early on. Yeah. Yeah. And De Niro's De Niro. He was, he was uh, fine. I really wish I could have seen more of Jesse Plemons playing the FBI agent because he really, like, to me, like, stole a
0: lot of the scenes. So and, what I understand, not to like rock your boat too much, that original script, I think that he was, was DiCaprio's g- he was, character. Yeah, yeah. And then they flip flopped, t- and it made like a big deal because people thought, like, oh my god, is Jesse Plemons going to be the lead of this movie? And Leo yeah. would be secondary no that's not I read how it works
1: I read that too and t- honestly Andrew I'll put this out there like if they were to switch roles I think the movie would work just the same I'm going to put that out there I think if DiCaprio is the FBI guy yeah, and the way Plemons acts in the movies he's in I can see him playing this role because he kind of did it in Breaking Bad and he was
0: you know yeah. he has that temperament so to me the movie wouldn't have lost any traction and uh, in the book, from what I understand, because, again, we're seeing DiCaprio come fresh out of war. He's supposed to be in his 20s for a lot of right. this movie, you know, probably 20s into his 30s and which more matches. And it's even probably not going to match Clemens entirely. But um, DiCaprio is, you know, 50s or whatever. So it's, it's... 49. I looked it up. 49. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's wild that he could pull that off because I didn't really I didn't brush up against that one. I thought, I I didn't care. Like, his age thing never came up in my head. I had much bigger fish to fry in this movie, so,
1: yeah. Yeah, so for me, the acting was great. The cinematography, fantastic. the score was really good. I just got lost in the structure of the storytelling, and it just, to me, was very draggy. Like, I love the last hour of this movie once we get introduced to John Lithgow and Brendan Fraser and the whole trial part, and is he going to you know, whatever testify and all that kind of stuff. And I like some of the crime elements in it, but again, it's like, it took too long to get there. And there are a lot of gaps in between where it's like, like why we don't need a 10 minute slow motion of Indians dancing in oil. Like just cut that stuff out. Like it was too slow, too draggy. I didn't care about any character in this movie. And to me, I think we're supposed to see this through Molly's eyes. I think we're supposed to sympathize with her, obviously because it was happening to her family. But the, the focus is on Hale and the Burkharts, which were good. I just, and the time jumps, it took me like a second or two sometimes to realize okay, is it a two year <coughs> jump, three year jump, five year jump? Like, it, and then we had back flashes with stuff going on. I'm like, oh, that character showed up two hours ago. No, here he is again. Like, right. It was, to me, it was muddled. And I don't know if Scorsese is getting this is my thoughts. Like, is he becoming too self indulgent these days? Like, I I almost used the word preachy, but he wasn't preaching too much in this movie. I just thought maybe he's a little too self-indulgent coming off like The Irishman, which I thought had that runtime problem. For me, this movie would work better. Honestly, if if this was a two and a half hour vehicle, he could have told the same story, got the same message across, and I think the movie would have been better in my eyes. I just think it was muddled and too dragging a lot of parts. And again, I didn't care about any of the characters. I I really didn't. And that's a big issue for me coming into a movie. It's like I have to grab grab onto one of them because even molly i didn't i sympathize with her but it's like she was almost she was like a mute for most of the movie And it's like you're not emoting any emotion which i de Niro gives him that speech at the beginning of the movie like they don't talk a lot don't whatever talk when you don't need to talk right so i get that's supposed to be part of their culture i, I just had ugh, issues again i was nodding off i i if it wasn't for this podcast i might have left the theater Interesting. Okay. But The Last Hour saved it for me. If The Last Hour is kind of like fat paced, the, I think the movie was paced like The Last Hour, I would have enjoyed it
0: all the way through. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It, it, it's that, – that court stuff definitely almost feels like it's a different movie. Yes. Um, and you could say that for better or for worse. My big thing – and this is going to sound potentially obnoxious. And I want to put out there that I think this movie is good. I just don't think it's great. And especially – you you know as well as I do, like if once people start calling something a masterpiece, if you're not like all the way invested, it almost like drop you down further as time goes on because unless you're fully on board with that word or that line of thinking, it's just only going to get worse, uh, in my eyes. But I like this movie. I love it. I think it does have my biggest thing. I didn't care much about the like the pacing isn't great. Because what I think of the movie is really that I, I was like, I almost would have preferred a documentary of this movie, which is not good when you have Leo and De Niro and all these like A-list huge movie stars. Because to me, the part of the thing with Scorsese that I heard or whatever is like, he didn't want to tell a movie from the Osage point of view whether that means to be from Molly specifically or just from any of the tribal stuff to see kind of how this is going on because he's a white guy and I get that, okay? At the same time, I don't think it would have been that big of an issue if he did because I think people would have been like, you know, he's not whitewashing anything. He's on their side. He's not, he's obviously this movie is very invested in, you know, how awful this is. It's a very dark movie. So to me, I I just I was way more into Lily Gladstone, and I was way more into how that tribe was affected. And I think this movie is interested in that, but not fully. I think it's it's got a lot of it's got a wandering eye, and I don't lo- always love that in scripts. I like to kind of see, because uh, imagine you know if we're maybe going back to that other script, it's like. Maybe you're seeing it through Leo as the FBI agent where he's coming into it and kind of like uncovering what we already saw in this movie. Mm -hmm. Probably what you would consider the first hour and a half. I don't know. I kind of like that better. And and they changed it. And I'm interested to know the exact difference because I think it's a problem a little bit. Right. Because I want. We come into this movie through Leo's eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's the first person we meet. He sits down with De Niro pretty quickly. He's coming back from the war. And he's his character doesn't have a lot of depth or intelligence or anything. And the only thing he's really supposed to be sort of avatar for, for us as the audience, is kind of like he should be for how much he said, like he loves his wife and he obviously builds a life and keeps having kids, even though he's you know, in a way, like kind of trying to also get rid of his wife. Uh, it's it's very odd uh, in, in terms of a pairing. So it's hard to call this, you know, romantic in ways. It's hard to call it anything but just horrible to deal with, you know, and as a movie that's that long to deal with that much just nihilistic misery is not a great movie to buy into or a harder movie to buy into. So. Right. While I will say this is a story that I'm glad I know now um, that I didn't know before. I'm glad that, you know, uh, eyes are being, you know, seen, you know, uh, that we're all going to witness this story if you didn't know it before. I'm glad that, you know, a big time actor signed on for all this and that Scorsese's interested in this. But I almost, I don't know. I just, I think there's a, different way of telling the story that makes it more for for entertainment purposes at least maybe but I don't know because there's nothing wrong with the story like the actual story like there's nothing wrong with that but the way it's presented is just I don't know you're watching mostly dummies getting away with murder for most of the movie and when you're not doing that you're watching bumbling criminals that they work with doing other dumb shit like it's just it's not i don't know it just doesn't jive with me like it's yeah i get it but it's almost like when i when i brush up against like biopics or or even some of these other movies where you're just like is this how elevated is this above a documentary version or a wikipedia entry and obviously scorsese's craft and all the people he has working on it like you said the score the cinematography all the uh, the production design is amazing all this stuff so it's going to elevate it there it's going to be great to look at but the experience of taking in this movie is not great and i no, think it, it, it's purposeful but it's also just it's not going to be something that i'm going to return to or, or be over the moon about
1: yeah no i'll never return to unless i can't sleep at night but um no <laughs> you, you mentioned like the caprio's uh, uh, uh Ernest and, and molly's relationship i really do because you brought up uh, romance. It's not a romance at all. But I do think he did care for her he, he, throughout the movie. I really do. But he, like you said, he's uh, he's easy, easily manipulated yes. by his uncle, right? Yeah. And I think that fair factor. And he was trapped. And he took the uh, less bumpy road, you know, traveled instead of standing for his family until like the very end when it was kind of a little too late. Right, And he could have come clean to Molly, and he still didn't fully come clean. But yeah, it's, there was a couple funny parts in this movie that actually made me laugh. And it was in, when Leo or Ernest was berating people like Blackie, uh, yeah. calling him an idiot. I'm like, dude, you're a simpleton calling another guy a simpleton. Like, Yeah, well, that's it was, what I'm saying. It's
0: disorganized yeah, crime. Because <laughs> DiCaprio
1: in this movie doesn't see himself as a simpleton, which was hilarious to right. me. Right. Yeah. You know? So, like, uh, the FBI scene where they bring Blackie in and they're talking to him and it's like, well, how did the uh, escape plan work? He goes, I'm sitting here, aren't I? Like, yeah, there's yeah. some lines that, yeah. that made me laugh. Yeah. And uh, so I did like those interactions, but what kind of surprised me, I'm sitting here like, man, was that how the FBI was really run back in the day? Like, they let you talk to the guy you, co- you know, co-conspired to do a crime with in a room by themselves for like yeah. 20 minutes?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but here's the moral of the story, folks. Watch out for that diabetes because it's it's a killer. <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> and shout out to insulin.
1: Uh, you yeah, know,
0: hitting at the right time. That's
1: great. Hitting man. at the right time, but yeah, no, because that was a big problem. They highlighted that. And the other line that killed me is when he brought Molly to the doctor and they're giving her the first shot. And he's like, "Tell him you ate the taffy and everything." He's like, <laughs> "They're like, right. you can't eat like the whites." <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, people, yeah yeah our nutritional system here is broke <laughs> but yeah. uh, no so and that's yeah. in the 20s bro that's in the <laughs> 20s yeah yeah so i thought it was a little slap in the face to us which i appreciated so there was some like light levity between the caprio's characters like when he again when he talks down to the other simpletons <laughs> it just it did make me laugh some of the dialogue was okay yeah. but it was too yeah. far it was just too far and few between for me like
0: yeah. I felt like a lot of the scenes between DiCaprio and De Niro were repetitive. Yes. Like some of them, you know, and again, where editing can come into play, do we need to unlock every single murder or do we need like, is there a way to pitch this uh, in terms of perspective where we don't have to see every little fucking thing? I, you know, I don't know, because I don't think I'm just trying to see what was additive and what wasn't. You know, I kind of want to look, I want to watch this movie again a lot. And I know you're like, never, I'm not going to do that. But, (laughs) but I do because it's one of those movies and it's, this never usually goes well. Like I didn't have the same thing with Oppenheimer where I was just like, Oh yeah, no, I, I I watched that movie, but I need to watch it again to really understand. it. I think I say that a lot about movies that I wanted (laughs) to like more, but didn't. And this happens to fall into that category. And, I don't know, man. I also think, you know, Scorsese gets away with because of how much he covers in this movie that, you know, he's going to, you know, uh, certain other directors, no one included, uh, you know, usually have issues with women characters and such to where they're like, oh, this movie would have been better from the through the eyes of Molly instead of DiCaprio or or, or De Niro. And I agree. And I don't think he's going to get <coughs> taken to task from that at all. I don't know. I just don't know. If a movie doesn't fit right, then don't do it.
1: I don't know. I did appreciate the subtleness in the way De Niro started losing his control and power as the movie progressed through time. And the fact when he tried to get his insurance money, he's like, oh, he went to Denver. And he's like, it's not a Denver problem. It's a Fairfax problem. Like, As the times were catching up, especially like the FBI, they couldn't go around just whacking private investigators and just, you know. Right getting rid of him and it was interesting in a very subtle way again over the course of decades or a decade and a half or whatever this movie covered 1920 to like 1940 something that he was slowly losing power because the world was expanding and i thought that was an interesting way so i did tip my cap to that because yeah a guy the king of the Osage up on the hill or whatever they call them right over time he lost all that power you know he started losing control of like what he can control in his little world just started like leaking and he couldn't fix it all you know so I did appreciate that nod but I like what you said I think this would have worked better (laughs) as a documentary I would be all over
0: this if it was a documentary right yeah the tough thing too as I'm sitting here is some of the stuff that really piqued my interest are really like opened up my eyes more in the movie mostly because probably the other stuff is just so bleak. But like when they, uh, integrated the, 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 uh, I guess it would be, they didn't call them the FBI. They just call it the Bureau of Investigation or yes. whatever. But like once they put those kind of like undercover agents into the film, that was so subtle and it was so well done. And then you see the work kind of all coalesce uh, as we get into the arrests and, and moving in on all the Hale's uh, people as well as, you know, uh, blackies and other people (laughs) of the world, you know, and, and then, you know, pinning down on Leo's character, Ernest. But I loved seeing that where like, you know, they, they put a, what could have been an Osage person. I don't know. Like they said, like, Oh, it's from out of town, whatever. So I don't know how much was a lie, but they convinced them. They got someone inside the tribe. They got someone, inside uh the towns uh you know the inner circle stuff they got a whole bunch of stuff that i didn't even pick this up until i heard it afterwards that there was um when uh, de niro trying to sell his either his livestock or his ranch or livestock. whatever yeah so like when he's having that conversation i didn't realize that was also an undercover agent at the time so i was like why are we having this conversation oh that's <laughs> why um, right so I don't know. Like there are definitely a lot of things. Like if you, if you unpack certain scenes, I'm a fan as Mm -hmm. a whole and where this movie kind of goes and meanders and seems repetitive. I think there's a slimmer version of this movie that might work. And I think there's also maybe a perspective change version of this movie that might work the way it's constructed. I think it's, like I said, it's good, not great. And probably isn't worthy of its runtime. And I'll say if it's up for best picture, I'm not gonna cry about it, but I also it depends on what you know, doesn't get in. But I will say that if I, I walked out of the theater and I, there was a group of, you know, like say, 20 somethings just who watched the movie, and the first thing out of their mouth was, I like this better than Oppenheimer, and I went Pfft. like I I, I, I made <clears throat> a noise. Like I couldn't even hold myself back because I was just like, no. Not even I would have given that person the rock bottom right on the sidewalk, <laughs> <laughs> right on the
1: sidewalk. Yeah. No, like you said, I and I'll, I. I got a question for you, but I'll piggyback off up for what you just said. Yeah, if this this is going to be in the Best Picture conversation for sure, right? Yeah. But if this wins Best Picture, I'm the, I'm never watching a movie again. I'll, I'm putting it out there, folks. I'm never watching TV ever again if this wins Best Picture.
0: I can't see that happening, and here's why. And now again, I can eat my words because maybe. You know, it was the Netflix effect on top of the stuff for The Irishman. But think of The Irishman. It's like you got another movie that ends on this bleak, downer, nihilistic note, right? Where you're seeing power, you know, dying in prison, you know, dying as an old man. And I just think that it's going to have the same fate. I think it's going to have a lot of nominations. It'll probably win one or none. Maybe, like, lower stuff, like, like, craft stuff or whatever might take it. I'd be shocked. Well, I'm shocked. I wouldn't want this to win adapted screenplay. That's my biggest thing. Where I think it'll probably be nominated, but I will be there. I will probably be upset if this won. Right. Because, I would be too- to me, I just don't think they adapted it <clears throat> in the in the way that it probably would have been the most successful... Yeah, it came at the expense of Lily Gladstone's character, Molly. So to me, it's like, why would I want to root for that screenplay to win? And honestly, like Scorsese doesn't really write a lot of his, his, uh, his screenplays lately. And the fact that he took this over to kind of put it his way after the initial scripts and it wasn't working. I don't know. Like Leo, even I, from what I understand, Leo kind of pushed him in that direction so that this isn't you know, working that it should be through the eyes of a different way. I don't right. know, man. Like, yeah. I I can understand that if you're doing it through the eyes of the FBI and you're, like, coming through, like, you're, like, you say the movie starts, it would probably have to start, right, where where Molly appeals to, it goes to Washington and appeals. So imagine all of the stuff beforehand, before that, doesn't happen, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. So part of me feels like that maybe doesn't work. And obviously you're going to probably uncover a lot of that stuff, but you're not literally seeing the plot on, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, and by plot, I mean like the plot to kill all these people. So I don't know if that coming at the expense of that would have been any better. But I don't know, man. I I just my brain has just been spinning since I saw this movie because I wanted to like it more because I do I like Scorsese a lot and honestly I like the Irishman probably a lot more than other people and yet here I am going I don't know, man. Like I've seen and now again this movie year hasn't been overwhelming either, but I could definitely say if it if it beats Oppenheimer I'll be upset.
1: Oh, there's, there's no way they should. No, 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 no. This isn't close to Oppenheimer, in my opinion. But So the question I had for you, because a lot of people online, after I watched this movie and have collected my own thoughts, sure, is they loved the last scene. And I hated that last scene. And you know what I'm talking about. The overhead sh- shot, you mean? No, and they transitioned to the whole radio so like, show. Yeah. I, I could not stand it. I'm like, to me, that's where Scorsese, I think, is trying to be either too smart, too slick. Or again, just a little self-indulgent and trying to be too cheeky. I I don't know. I just, I it took me out for like a minute. I'm like, really? I'd I'd rather just see the dialogue on the screen of what happened to the people. I didn't, I didn't need all that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's just as impactful if I'm reading that the murders were not mentioned in her obituary, right? Um, But yeah, it's kind of a microcosm of the rest of the movie, right? Where it's like you did way more then maybe what was needed, but you could have just gotten directly to the point And I would have been just as entertained, but in a way, like thinking about that scene independently, like without thinking of it in the sequence of the movie, I like it in the sense of like, it almost mocks our obsession with true crime now, which is funny because the people who are probably, especially, you know, film guys, film bros from over the years who love Scorsese and all the organized crime stuff, all the mob stuff, like, Yeah, they probably like a lot of true crime right now because of you, because you open (laughs) up the world of like these non serial killer crime uh, stories that now we get in a lot of podcast form or we get in, uh, you know, a Netflix documentary. So, yeah, he's he's a little at fault. So he's kind of turned around. So it's interesting that he put his face out there, too, to read the opit and everything else, too. So I I like that it was being tongue in cheek a little about it. And I, I I appreciate it from a distance, but as like, you're right. Like within the movie, I don't know. It just, it seemed like it it was a little unnecessary. Yeah. So that's my point. But I think again, that's, that's where this is going to be a long few months more for me than you, because I actually keep track of the Oscar stuff a little bit more. And that's not a slight on you. You just, no, everyone don't who knows care.
1: me. Yeah. Everyone who knows me knows that's, that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's going to be a longer time for me because I'm going to be sitting here going, god really okay really okay um because uh, because i don't want to be on the wrong side here and obviously it's this is all subjective it's arts but whatever this is what we do right so i don't know if you had what would you be satisfied with with this movie if it was like lauded on some level like what would you see you'd like to see win and what would you be like the most angry if it won if it won Best Picture, I'll lose my mind a little bit, especially over a movie yeah. like
1: Oppenheimer. I can see Best Director. That's fine. Again, cinematography, score, um, editing, no, because she should be fired or he should be fired because this movie is way too long. But uh, no, um, I was even thinking like Supporting Actor and Actress. But I wouldn't know who would be in that category. Like there's a lot they can win and I'd be, oh, OK, cool. They deserve it. Awesome. Yeah. But Best Picture would be the one where I lose my cap. I'd be like, no, sorry.
0: Yeah, I really would champion Lily Gladstone, you know, which is sad because, like, part of the reason why this movie probably does seem like a longer film, or the reason why maybe this movie loses a little bit of steam in the middle, is because I think it rises and falls with her. And when mm-hmm. she's basically just in, you know, uh, diabetes hell mixed with poison, yeah, it, it's going to suffer because she's not herself. She's right. having to will herself to do anything. And um, admittedly, like, as soon as she literally gets off the off the couch, off the bed, whatever you want to say, and goes down to Washington, I think things perk up. So she literally is the driving force. The problem is that driving force was being poisoned for about an hour. So it's like, well, uh, that's when your movie kind of goes a little south and could have picked up the pace to get back to her her usual self or, or at least some versions of a better version of herself. Exactly. Exactly. So to me, yes. Cinematography, I wouldn't complain too much. And again, more on nominations than win because when I stack this movie up against Oppenheimer, I just like, I rather like, there are so many, like you're going to tell me he sets off a nuclear blast and all those things. Like, and the, So um, the cinematography, I'm supposed to be more wowed by this movie, which is mostly people talking in rooms and fields for for a good portion. No, I Um, understand that. Not like it's bad. I'm just saying, like, it's not a – the movie is not showy in any way. So don't – it's hard to line these up, right, between Oppenheimer and and this movie. But with that said, I think what makes it work better for me is that Oppenheimer is so – It has a lot to say and a lot of things going on with with side characters, but Oppenheimer is the story, and Oppenheimer is the driving force, and he's always at the center of the frame, and no matter what else is going on, it's through his prism. This movie didn't have that, and I think it suffers for it. And that's where I'm sure that first script was probably through the eyes of the FBI uncovering something awful, and everybody else kind of like, plays through the prism of the person uncovering the story. So whether it's, you know, an FBI person, a journalist and other type movies or what have you, those work for a reason. I just, I understand the problem where you're just like, well, but that does a disservice to the Osage. So there, it just, there's no good. I, I, I keep coming up with new permutations and they always have something wrong. So I don't know, like you said, a documentary is probably best route, yeah, the for best this route story go, yeah. or leave it to be the book that was the best selling novel or excuse me, uh, best selling book. But I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm just going to keep yeah. having that noise come out of my mouth. So with that all said, I guess if we want to get into scores, yours is probably going to be lower than mine. Of course, <laughs> I'm probably a three and a half because I think it has a lot of good and a lot of crafts and a lot of amazing people who worked on this. But the story just doesn't do enough to move up in terms of the score. So, that's well, where I'm. 35, okay. A 3. You're going to be surprised
1: because you're going to be a little surprised on this one. I, uh, I'm i giving it a three out of out of five. I Only figure. because I, yeah, because I, even if I don't really like, like you said, everything that was I found wrong with this movie, I can appreciate a well-crafted film. And this was a right. well-crafted film scorsese film it really was and we covered all the bases on why it was so i respect it i appreciate it and for that fact alone i can't get it lower than a three because it had a lot of really good elements to it it was just too scattershot for me so yeah um three is as high as yeah three three is as high as i can get this film
0: yeah and and that's it's tough when you're when you're putting it in this stratosphere this masterpiece tag or these uh you know, Oscar nominations and potential wins. So that, that's really where things get muddled. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough. Cause like you said, I think I probably haven't loved, well, even I'll be honest. Wolf of wall street is like a meme movie to me where it's like, I think it has a lot of great stuff, but the, even the ending of that movie and how things transpired, I remember not loving it at the time. I remember liking it, but not loving it because of how that movie ended. Right. So I probably haven't loved as like a total package of something from him since probably The Departed. And even The Departed, I like it, but it's not his best stuff. So you're right. It is is very comparable in terms of like Spielberg's career where it's like it's so amazing through the 70s, 80s and, and into the early to mid 90s. And then every now and then you go, that worked, but it's still not like peak. Right. You know, so... Even though I will, you know, in the Spielberg category I will say I love Catch Me If You Can. I could watch that movie over and over and that's post you know his Yeah, but what what know. year was that though? That's my point. Like two thousand, I think. <clears throat> yeah. And maybe I even a little like minority later? report, yeah. which was like two thousand one, two thousand two. Right. So yeah, no, and we're talking twenty years now. Yeah, so I twenty get years. <laughs> um and even yeah i don't know we can go all day because the man has a very long career but i remember also gangs in new york like that movie i loved for probably the first half and then i thought that movie lost its way so i don't know we could be the minority all the way around on this but i will say you know, I had a conversation with my buddy, also Mike, of Mike, Mike and Oscar over the weekend. And he put out his, you know, kind of capsule review on that one before they go into something bigger. And he wasn't overwhelmed by the movie either. So, it's interesting that these scores are so high. And I, I see a lot of, like, polarizing type views now that the movie's come out over the weekend. So, I'm interested. Especially, maybe some people are waiting, you know, for the Apple TV part of it, you know. Right. Which... I get with the runtime, whatever, but a movie like this, if you're going to judge it on its all its merits, you probably want to take it in theatrically. Even with all the things that we've said, I still would probably say that. Um, same way I saw The Irishman in movie theaters before it went to Netflix. I think that's how I want to treat any movie of Scorsese as it goes right. through. There,
1: there, there are certain directors, like you said, Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, like Tarantino, yeah. to me, you have yeah. to see those on the big screen. There are certain directors Absolutely. that just like begged... You, like you said, you lose something on the smaller screen. So yes, I agree with you 100. percent I'll always say that. But here's what makes me laugh: I'm tired. This is a little pet peeve. I'm tired of like whether it was Seth Rogen for Ninja Turtles, top uh, Tom Cruise for Top Gun. Can you uh-huh. st- please stop thanking me for coming to the movie to see your movie in the movie theater? Like they do that for this one? Yeah, in my screening they did. He got oh, on there for didn't. like yeah for two minutes. He sat there thanking the theater and how he worked with the Osage people and he appreciated us coming to the theater to see his movie. I get, they kind of have to do that. Cause listen, and we t- talked about in this show, plenty movie theaters are, uh, they're hurting, man. So a lot of people are watching more streaming and more TV. So I get their pleas for people to come to the theater, but I'm kind of, yeah. I don't
0: need a five minute plea before I see your movie. Listen, if they just put out more movies this year and especially didn't have to push back a bunch of stuff for the strikes, I think we'd be singing a little different tune, especially with Taylor Swift. Oh. Uh, Taylor Swift. Oh. On top of the fact that we're we're doing, uh, you know, we had the Barbenheimer thing over the summer. I think this year would be actually a lot better if we didn't push back Dune, if we mm. didn't, you know. Oh, I'm so mad about that. Yeah, I mean that's a huge movie to be taken out of the out of the circle here. So I don't know, man. I I, I think uh, whatever. I, I understand people are still trying to beg people through for theatrical and everything else, and trying to be appreciative, especially post pandemic. But yeah, we could stop now. We can yeah. really stop unless you're doing something like I remember when um this is off topic. I'll keep it quick. But like when uh, Scream, that uh, one that came back after a long time, the one uh, not this past one, but the one before, um, they did like a whole Q&A afterwards and they did like a thanking beforehand. It was like this whole big deal and it, because it was kind of like still at the tail end of COVID, you know, just coming out and really start. That makes sense. Yeah, now, sure. All right, calm down, and especially right. Marty, you signed with Apple TV Plus. We know what's <laughs> going on. We know the whole story. All right, right. Like I get it. Paramount's releasing it for for them to do a nice thing, and yeah, but we're a lot of people are going to wait. And your yeah. last big movie was with Netflix, so yes, I agree. People should see your movie, and yeah, thank them. Some of I don't know. They don't need to thank them in the theater. But Ninja Turtles, yeah, thank me for that one because uh, you know, I took my whole family. So um, but good job by you, man. Um, yeah, you too. You you also uh, caught some other stuff. Anything else you want to shout out real quick before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, no, I, I
1: talk, uh, just real quick. Uh, I poo pooed this scene. This in the theater, about Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. I watched it with my son, nine years old. It is what it is, but it was a really entertaining family film. So if you, okay. you want something with the younger kids to watch for Halloween. Give it a shot. Great cast. And it is what it is. I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. So good family family film plug for Halloween. Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah. And I know you also caught Old Dads, which was my uh, review <laughs> yeah. on Netflix. Uh, I did for, for this past week. So check out my full review on what's on Netflix.com. But yeah, it's it's uh it's. I thought it peaked way too early, and then once it got into the main story, it got messy, and it it, it didn't do probably what it needed to because the characters weren't there. I thought Bobby Cannavale was amazing. <laughs> um, I, you know, I can't that's stand that character. guy. Uh, really? Wow. Like I, I all together?
1: A, I, yeah, I have a list of actors who, if I met him, I would punch him right in their face, and he's like wow. number three. Yeah, behind Dax but, Shepard and, and Ashton and Kutcher, by the way.
0: Bam. Right in the kisser. Wh- I, I don't almost like his side, face. Yeah. I almost side with you with those other ones. I just can't bring myself yeah. on the Condavale but, but, one. But, but um, like you said, he yeah. was okay in this film.
1: And I like uh, uh uh who book book uh what's Pope his name? What's up? Yeah. Yeah. I always like him in everything he's in. I mean he's one of those character actors who is enjoyable. But like I said, I'm a huge Bill Burr fan and yeah. I have a lot of Bill Burr inside of me, which I guess that's probably not a great thing. But anyway, sure. So I can relate to like yeah, I can relate to like a lot of what he says. Sure. But this movie like you said, started strong and then fell
0: flat. But it's good to see see Thomas Howell still getting some work. I thought if Bird did this movie closer to when he was what, he probably did this ten years ago on stage, a lot of the same stuff. So I thought it felt more dated because of that, but because of how much he was impactful back then you know, it felt like this was said and done. So I didn't think it added anything to like uh-huh. what he's already kind of put out there. So that was my biggest gripe, but there was a lot of people I love seeing. Um, I forget her name, but the one who was the uh, Jenny on the le in the league uh, who plays yeah. his wife. Uh, yeah, I like her. Great. Yeah. Um. So a lot of good people in there. You already mentioned a few, so I won't belabor that, but yeah, check out my full review on what's on Netflix.com. Um, and next week you know we'll get back into the to the scaries a little bit um after we took a a brief intermission this october uh i guess if you want to say the start of kind of the oscar season stuff um you and i will be uh watching five nights at freddy's i guess yes, um and, i'm and all and maybe in. Maybe I'll, because uh, I got some uh, time off uh, coming up here a little bit, then maybe I'll have a little bit more to say, maybe a, little, maybe a few more Halloween-ish type yeah. stuff before the year is out. Um, and then uh, also Pain Hustlers is the Netflix movie this week, which I'm interested because in it got very mixed reviews coming out of the film festival circuit yeah. that's with Chris Evans and Emily Blunt, so I'm going to check that one out. Um other so, than that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. But for no, people no, no. who want to see for people
1: who want to see Five Night of Freddy's, um, if you have Peacock, it's getting released on Peacock the same day as going to the theater. So don't think you have to waste your money buying a full felage ticket to go see this in the movie theater. So if you were like, eh, I might wait on that one. Comes out peacock, you can watch it the same day.
0: Now, what do you think about that strategy before we get out of here? Because I've they had some success with the Halloween ones doing that a little bit, but to me, I don't know it kind of feels like either they just wanted so much to get it around that date of like the Halloween stuff for people to watch, and they probably think it's just as successful if they could get people to subscribe as much as right. it would be if you went and got in the theater so I don't know,
1: yeah, I'm kind of cherry picking on this on this question because a movie like this. I, I'm glad it's. I have the option to see it on TV because I don't think this is a big screen kind of movie to see, in my opinion. Sure. I, you know, even though I have an unlimited movie pass, but still, I'd rather see a movie like this. Now, a movie like Halloween, I want to see it in the theater. So, right. I guess what I'm saying is, movies I'm on the fence about.
0: This is great for me. <laughs> so, right. I'm cherry picking there a little bit. Well, to me, with the diminishing returns of that last Halloween set that last halloween trilogy i was very happy that i could watch it at home as it (laughs) progressed so that first one all right fine i get it but uh yeah oh boy that's a whole other conversation but yeah good job by you man uh we will reconvene seeing whatever the hell gives us uh for (laughs) five night at freddy's next week um be sure to follow us on the socials recent act pod Uh, And, of course, give us nice five-star reviews, tell a friend, uh, subscribe, do all the nice things, and we will see you all next week for more recent activity.